Thank you for joining this week's episode of the Inner Circle Podcast. Uh, my guest this week is Jack Danahy. He's a senior vice president of security uh, for Alert Logic. Uh, and full disclosure for anyone who's not aware, but you know my day job is as senior manager of content marketing for Alert Logic. So Jack and I are uh, co-workers in that regard. But uh, welcome, Jack. Thanks for joining me. Happy to be here, Tony. Um, so let let's start off with I mean so you've you you've just joined Alert Logic uh, you know this year within the past uh, few months but um, let's let's start with kind of what's your give me give me the you know elevator pitch plus of your background in InfoSec your history sure I, I'm sure that this this is one of those elevators that's in sort of geosynchronous order uh, orbit rather given the height of it um, so. <laughs> I've been doing uh, security, I'm going to say computing security because it started before the internet since uh, the late 1980s, uh, working in security for early distributed computing platforms, uh, but sort of more relevant to, to where the current state of the art is. Um, I built a couple, three security companies, right, where we tried uh, and approached security from different perspectives, right? I built kernel level security um, and then application level security during code, doing code analysis and most recently spent a lot of time working on endpoint security using machine learning behavioral analytics uh, to identify, you know, aggressive behavior by, by malicious software. Um, but my exposure to, to cybersecurity started really very early uh, when the internet was pretty young. I built the, uh, the first managed security services. Uh, at one of the earliest, uh, largest ISPs called BDN. And it was hard not to fall in love with this as a vocation, right? As an engineer, as a, as a computer engineer, uh, when you realize that your job, particularly in those days, was to protect people who were trying to take advantage of all this new awesome functionality from people who would recognize that all that new awesome functionality was gonna create ways in which they could hurt them. And so uh, you begin in that process, right? You, you begin in that quest uh, to help people be more secure as they get involved in, in these new technologies. And what's happened over the last 25 years or so is that there have been more and more excellent new technologies that allow us to pervasively connect to one another more and more over the course of time. And uh, the threat, unfortunately, has grown only slightly faster uh, than the new technologies have. True. And so um, it, it's, it's been a wonderful experience to sort of work through some of those challenges as someone who likes to solve uh, puzzles. And, uh, and I know you see this as well. The, the nature of the challenges has become so much more complex, has become sort of much less linear, right? much more sophisticated, much more componentized. Um, and so that, that's what brings me here, you know, trying to figure out uh, all the different places that you can apply security at uh, in order to help people solve this problem. Well, yeah, so let, let's, let's kind of start there with, you know, one of the things that I find uh, interesting is first that with everything we, every new thing, whether it's we, we've introduced, we introduce smartphones, we introduce wireless networking, we introduce, uh, you know, tablets, we introduce IOT, whatever the new things are, 
there's always the 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 surface level aspect of it of this is how it this is how it benefits me as a user this is how it makes my life more convenient this is how it helps me be more productive but almost every single one of those things has a flip side that also exposes it to risk that also you know it's like for for every benefit you get you also get increased risk um, and that's part of what keeps the cybersecurity industry going. Yep. But it's interesting, right? What you say is almost axiomatic anywhere in our lives, right? Anything that brings us sort of substantial new benefit presents substantial new risk. And the problem is in cybersecurity, it is so much faster, right? And so much easier to create things which take advantage of that expanding threat surface uh, and sort of commoditize it and broadcast it broadly that the cybersecurity problems that are created by all those technologies you just described, the unintended consequence of better connectivity or better access to data. I mean, if you stop and think about it, um, think about all the immense benefits that come to us in things like healthcare by the ability to share de data records or um, the ability for our automobiles not to rely on hardware harnesses and copper, right, for the way they transfer messages because they can move to wireless connections or the way in which we can instantaneously share data around the world or people um, who have political points of view, who wants to share them um, in, in uh, areas where it's hard to get those expressions out. Uh, it gives all these wonderful new benefits, but the problem is the exact same capability that allows us to have those communications and share that data and be that transparent, uh, unfortunately, allow people to see sort of a soft underbelly uh, and a new way to, I guess, intermediate that relationship, right? That, that sort of artificial intimacy we sometimes have with our technology um, that allows them to find ways to get at us, perhaps, or at the, right. the organizations that we're dealing with uh, in a brand new way. So, yeah, I, I don't know if it's just human nature, right, for some parts of society to gravitate towards that ability to share more and do more and be more, and perhaps another part of society that gravitate towards it as a way to take advantage more. Well, it, it you know, it, it, going back to the earlier early days of uh, security, um, you know, when when it was. Uh, you know, you, you weren't necessarily dealing with, uh, you know, Russian intelligence cybercrime families, but you were just dealing with uh, script kiddies. And, you know, just like it was more of a I, I feel like it was more of a chess game um, and it still is to an extent. But, um, you know, even at being on the security side of the fence, um, you know, I could look at things like Code Red and Nimda and SQL Slammer. Uh, you know, now I'm dating myself uh, <laughs> in terms of the, the threats. But I could look at those and have some level of appreciation for, like, the ingenuity that went into them and, 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 and kind of step back and go, man, if only that guy would have, you know, that guy or that girl would have used that, that level of creativity for good. <laughs> Instead of their powers for good. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, I'll tell you, you know, in the early days, I was just having this conversation, in fact, uh, last night with Kevin Riley, who, uh, who is one of, you know, I've worked with for a number of years. And we were just talking about how many, and he's a younger fellow, but how many years ago, a lot of the folks that were very interested in understanding how things could be broken did it because they wanted to make sure that things got better. It was very different, right? There was right, a paper. Right that originally came out in 1996, I think it was. And for those of you who are involved in the, the sort of the vulnerability management community, you'll remember that uh, I think a week ago was the 30th anniversary of the release of Satan, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that, that was uh, Weeds Venema and Dan Farmer, who is a character in his own right. And, and having known Dan, you know, back in those days, I think we first ran into each other in 96 or 97, that paper that they wrote, which was 
that, that preceded Satan was, I'm going to paraphrase it badly, how to secure your systems by breaking into them, right? And the real purpose of those, a lot of those early researchers, and, you know, we call them hackers in a very positive way, was to help identify ways in which people could be threatened that they weren't aware of, right? It was really identifying broad areas where a lack of diligence or a lack of resources caused people to not be as protected as they could be. And these researchers took it really seriously. They thought it was their responsibility to show these folks where they were exposed. You flash forward now to uh, a lot of what ends up happening, and the security challenge is very different, right? Because a lot of the folks who are engaged in the monetization of uh, taking advantage of any number of much smaller level vulnerabilities are doing it with a much different purpose in mind. So, you know, if I look back at the, the script kiddies of, you know, the late 1990s, the early 2000s, uh, I'm not exactly sure what their purposes were aside from sort of that general kiddish sense of breaking into things and understanding things because the kinds of data they were accessing weren't easily monetized. Um, it wasn't necessarily something where people could automatically see a return in the investment they were making. But today, because all the data that's being shared and the fact that it actually has real value, it, it, it's changed, right? It's changed right. the nature of the threat and the threats themselves are so much more complicated. They're chained together, they're much more sophisticated in terms of their design. So I look at them and I do what you just expressed. I, I admire the creativity and the technical you know, acumen that goes into building them. Uh, but it is with a purpose, right? It's with, with the purpose of monetization or intelligence gathering, what have you. It, it's just a very different set of characteristics around the reasons why they're doing the things they're doing. Right. Um, all right, so I'm going to switch gears now. I want to talk about um, uh, in going, in, going into RSA, um, Alert Logic, uh, introduced some new capabilities uh, to uh, what, they, what they offer. Uh, that uh, we're extended endpoint protection, and there's a couple different uh, you know facets in there um, in terms of uh, dark web scanning and some other stuff that that goes in there. So can can you, I guess, talk a little bit about what what these new capabilities are? Sure. Well, there's a lot of customers who rely on Alert Logic to understand the threats that they're exposed to and to actually help them respond, right? To understand what's going on in their systems and give them a much better context for the way they're managing their security. And so there are a couple of areas where they had asked AlertLogic about that were expansions, right? So if you think about, um, I guess it was Peter Lynch who back when said, you know, people talk about don't put all your eggs in one basket, but he says as an investor, put all your eggs in one basket and watch the help. And so I think security for a long time, you know, you, you focus early on around some of those resources, you know, maybe more vulnerable or maybe more impactful. You do your risk modeling and you realize that when I multiply the risk times the likelihood, you know, you, you come up with a balanced view. And I think a lot of organizations had done good work in terms of protecting things uh, like the workloads and the way in which they're managing their services, but they wanted to do more. And so if I look at the dark web stuff as an example, that's a way to understand if something outside of your control has you know, the opportunity to corrupt what's going on inside. So if I'm thinking about dark web services, I'm thinking about ways in which perhaps authenticating credentials have found their way into the hands of people who may want to come in, those are going to look like legitimate transactions, right? So I think AlertLogic was pretty smart in terms of understanding that by being able to provide information to their clients, to our clients, about ways in which they could be exposed to threats from the outside, you know, you're going to actually help those organizations to protect themselves from something which might otherwise look like legitimate traffic, you know, very difficult to disambiguate from, from less legitimate traffic. So I think that's, you know, one place. And the second place, and one that's, you know, near and dear to my own heart, is this capacity to understand what's going on in the endpoint, right? So 
you know, there's a, a variety of steps which are necessary to feel protected on an endpoint. Um, AV vendors have existed for years, right, providing the capacity to do things like scanning so you could identify malicious payloads as they land on the system, you know, and, and this is really dating back, I'm thinking back to the mid-1990s, right, when um, the teams who were creating malware would develop applications which they'd send off as attachments, what have you. And so the problem was really one of recognizing malicious executables before they could be accessed on the local system. So that's like one kind of endpoint protection. Um, but for us, for alert logic, you know, there's more things you have to do, right? Because there's a sophistication in a modern attack. If you look at the attacks that are super successful, things like Emotad, or maybe if you look at like exploit kits like Angular Nuclear, you know, these things are chaining together different kinds of attacks and different techniques. So maybe it's a polymorph, you know, that that's doing uh, streamed script execution, right? So there never is that thing to look for in the system. So in the extended endpoint protection from Alert Logic you get that capacity to, to apply things like real machine learning, right? The understanding of how to predict on characteristics inside, you know, applications about whether or not they, they are likely to be malicious. The ability to watch the behaviors of the system, um, to be able to provide behavioral analytics that show, you know, that either this user or just a process, even a low level process is doing something which is consistent with a malicious process and inconsistent uh, with regular, you know, nice processes. Right, right. And so, we think about extending endpoint protection is understanding all of those things. So to protect the endpoints, which is, in my perspective and in my history, you know, probably the most often exercised threat vector, right? So the ability to protect against that. Um, and then there's sort of the additional piece of what I think of coming from what is called the Alert Logic Essentials Offer, which is this ability to also understand the systems themselves, right? To do things like asset inventory, to do things like vulnerability understanding, right? To, to know what what parts of the system may be vulnerable because they're a little bit out of date. If I put all those things together, right? If I put together, can I block the malware? Can I recognize malicious behaviors? Can I make sure I understand all the systems? And then can I make sure that I understand what's running on those systems? And all of a sudden, you know, I get to put together uh, a solution which can give me that kind of hygiene on all those endpoint systems you ordinarily wouldn't have. And from our, I think from our customer's perspective, right, that's what they were looking for. They're looking for us to help them move beyond just the high value workload, the high value server, et cetera, and give them insight into perhaps where an attack against that workload may start and to give them a lot of information, a lot of telemetry that we can use later on in terms of things like incident response and incident identification by understanding the information that's happening on that endpoint, you know, probably either before it propagates to the network or as a component of something they see in the network that looks odd, it allows them to validate what they're seeing. Right. Well, okay. So two two things on that. Number one, um, to kind of go back to your your, your Peter Lynch quote, um, you know, there 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 there's always been kind of a cyclical nature um, in in IT and in security of. Uh, Kind of first going in one direction of saying, well, I don't want to have all of my products from one vendor. Or, you know, I don't want to. You know, I want to have layered defense of different things, and I want to get you know best of best of breed for each one of these types of, of products. Versus, uh, you know, I just want an integrated suite of tools with one pane of glass. Those are you know two 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 different things. Um, I, I I think. Uh, where where things are right now with with the threat landscape and with with what organizations are facing that the integrated suite approach makes more sense because it's it's there there are too many different things going on and like you know you talk you know you just talked about you know you've you've got you know endpoint 
uh, is one vector, but servers are a vector, cloud is a vector, uh, IoT, you know, all, all the different ways that you can be attacked and the, the attacks are not as straightforward as they once were, where it's just, here's a file attachment, it's gonna run, it's gonna do a thing. It's now it's, it's coming at you from multiple angles. And if you don't have a holistic view of all of the different things and, and, and sort of the ability to see, step back and see the big picture and say, oh, okay, well, there's this little tiny thing going on over here that's a little weird. And there's this, this kind of anomalous activity going on over here that's a little weird. And if you looked at two, both of those things like in a vacuum in and of themselves, you know, maybe it's a little suspicious, but it's not, it's not a big deal. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you know, think, think twice about it per se. But when you can, when you can kind of step back holistically and look at the whole thing and connect the dots, then you start to be able to see some attacks that you might not have seen. Um, and then the second part of that is, and, and uh, I don't want to, you know, again, I, you know, we both work for Alert Logic. I don't want to turn this into like an Alert Logic uh, sales pitch. Um, but the second part of that that I think uh, is beneficial um, in terms of what, what Alert Logic does is organizations could do those things themselves. They could, they could go out and they could, you know, hire the security experts, they could buy the tools, they could implement the tools, configure the tools, monitor the tools. They can do all of that themselves. Um, it, it may be not very cost effectively, but it can be done. But even when, it, when an organization does that, even if they do it well, um, they still only have the view of their uh, environment. Um, and, you know, with, with what Alert Logic does and having um, and having the security operations center and having uh, you know SOC analysts who are you know watching the activity across you know around the world across you know 4,000 plus clients, you not only have a holistic view but you have a holistic view that spans 4,000 plus clients. So now I can see oh you know this one client we have that's you know in the finance industry in you know wherever Singapore <laughs> is having a problem now now I'm that much more prepared to see that same threat when it arrives you know in San Francisco mm -hmm. um, and you know so those you know, you know so now I've rambled on about the, all those things but uh, you know what are your thoughts on, on those concepts sure well let's sort of start at the top right so the there's long been this argument right of, of best of breed versus integrated platform and it's funny because it starts, I think, originally because in that cycle that you you, you described, it started off with organizations saying, "Listen, we're the security vendor you're always going to need," and there was going to be, you know, naturally holes, gaps in the platforms that would be addressed by some some new entrant that would get welded in, and it would sort of grow over time. And what ended up happening was when they re when they surveyed CIOs and then as they were developed CISOs, it was like the one area of the marketplace where people were looking for best of breed solutions. And mainly I think because the problem space isn't one that evolves like according to a business cycle, the way you think of Moore's law, you know, computers are faster, gotta move along. Or, you know, the databases are changing, gotta move along. Uh, instead, it's security changes in leaps and bounds, right? There's a new attack type. You know, somebody creates Rowhammer and you're like, oh man, I never really thought about flipping a bit, having that kind of effect, right? And so the security challenges change really quickly. And so it's natural that some of these best of breed providers may be able to offer something new for a solution. But I think your point, which is the single pane of glass addresses the real customer requirement, right? Because the, the customer doesn't really want a single pane of glass. They just want an answer to the damn question. 
And I think one of the difficulties that, they, that you run into as you try to sew individual bits of technology together is a lot of those solutions, in order to be successful in an isolation of other solutions, right? They're not getting built to be plugged into something else or being built to stand alone. They do a lot of stuff, right? So if I think of like the Pareto principle, probably 20% of what they do is that unique thing. 80% is the generic stuff you have to do. And so if you're trying to sew all this stuff together, you've got to figure out how you can extract that 20% of incremental unique value uh, into the organization to answer that question, that single pane of glass that you really want to answer, which is, am I secure enough? Have I been breached? Uh, what kind of threats am I under? How do I improve what I'm doing? And so I'm totally with you. I think that the suite-based approach is the right one, but I think specifically, it is a suite that is specifically curated to answer the questions that you have. You know, and again, uh, speaking most generically, when alert logic is gathering information about threat, and it's all over the world, and it's all these things that we're seeing, I think it's great, but it's very focused, right, on, pre on preventing and presenting information that is both relevant to understanding the threats affecting the customers that we're seeing, uh, and it's also correlated, right? So you're not just getting tons and tons of information without the context of other things happening at the same time, perhaps to the same customer on the same network, because it gives you a lot more context about how to make use of it. And whether I'm talking about individual security products, or even if the organization is mature enough to be taking in their own threat feeds from different places, those feeds, I'm going to take multiple fields from, feeds from multiple places, they're likely to have redundant information in them. They're likely to format it differently. The tools are likely to consume it in different ways. And so that process of trying to figure out how do I build this for myself in an absence of the experience and context that you get from managing this for thousands of customers, I think that's a really, really hard thing to do. I think there's some CISOs at some of the biggest companies in the world that do it really, really well, right? When when I used to be the head of advanced security at IBM, there was, you know, when I was the director of that, that organization, there were a lot of those CISOs were so smart, right? Putting together these huge organizations to get it done. But I think that there is a majority of um, the enterprises out there who won't have that experience, who won't have that budget, who won't have the capacity to find those strategic thinkers and hire them, who'll be able to put that together, who are just trying to find a way to get to your single plane of glass. And, and for me to be you know, metaphorical about it right there, they're trying to get to that single view of their security that will allow them to understand their threat, whether it is against a server, whether it is against an endpoint, whether it is because someone's credentials have been lost online. They just want an answer that helps them to put into context the risks that they're seeing and the threats that they're seeing. Right. You know, so. It to, to kind of riff off of that a little, um, you know, we, we just were at RSA a few weeks ago, and uh, one of the thoughts that occurred to me as I kind of walked around and looked at, you know, you know, this vendor talking about their, you know, IDS, or this vendor talking about their endpoint protection, or this vendor talking about their, you know, next generation firewall, you know, whatever, whatever the various solutions are. And I had this thought occur to me where I said, you know, Nobody really wants, nobody Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I want to buy a firewall or I want to buy antivirus or I want to, you know, there's nothing sexy about that. What they want to buy is peace of mind. What they want right. to buy is is confidence that they're, they're not going to get breached. They want to buy the ability to enjoy their weekend. That <laughs> That's what yeah. they want to buy. Um, and, you know, and, it, it, you know, trying to, trying to sell like, you know, Kind of the feature set of you know hey this is all the really you know awesome stuff you know kind of geeking out on on the features of this is what my next generation firewall does you know 
to other engineers or other people who are you know firewall you know gurus maybe that's really cool and exciting but to the to the buyer the buyer is just you know says you know i just want you to i just want to know does it work <laughs> you right. know yeah, does it protect me yeah well it's interesting right i think we've seen this maturation in the security community at the CISO level right if you look at uh but I think a very successful CISOs, guys like Jim Routh or Phil Venables, you know, these guys are capable of understanding the tech for sure, understanding the security risk in the technical level for sure, but they also understand how to put in the business context of the organizations that they serve and, and how to balance the, the thinking about individual bits of security against the individual requirements of the business. And you know, for the folks who are listening and you know, for the security community in general, I think that's a super important skill for us because as a guild, which is what I used to call it when the, the security practices were much younger, you know, we all spoke a very specific language, right? It was a unique language and simply understanding um, the language of security allowed you to be part of it. And if you didn't understand that language, you couldn't be. Um, and I think that's changed, right? Because as we were talking very, very much at the beginning, Tony, as we give the context, um, you think about how the technologies have changed and grown and how the security, the pain of security or the risks of security have reached out to all of us and as individuals, but also in our businesses. So there's a lot of people who will do interesting things with new technology who are now going to have to think about security who don't really understand it. The security community's responsibility is to stop talking about feeds and speeds and stop talking about the specifics of complex attacks to that audience. I guess we'll talk amongst ourselves that way. But to that audience, we have to be talking about the material benefit of what they're doing to allow them to have that peace of mind that you mentioned. Because you're absolutely right. Um, the only people who like talking about security products and like security products in general are security people. Everyone else views them as something that's necessary, either because they feel a sense of responsibility to their organizations or their customers or their patients, um, or because they're being told that this is their responsibility from someone else in, in management, perhaps, that understands that security has to be you know, balanced as a function of corporate risk. So. I think that, that that idea of peace of mind is a really important one. It's an important one for vendors to think about as they're developing their own offerings, whether they're services or whether they're products. That capacity to offer something that provides the, the customer with a, a, a sort of a personal physical benefit, you know, that ability to sleep, uh, that ability perhaps uh, to feel more comfortable in front of the management team if something bad happens because you've done a lot of smart things right and bad things just happen to people. All of that ability to offer peace of mind, I, I think is, is what we should have been shooting for from the beginning. I think that we started off trying to fight technical challenges uh, 25 or 30 years ago because that's what we thought the risk was. And then maybe 20 years ago, we, we tried to fight off more institutional challenges, as you mentioned. People started to invest more in these kinds of attacks. And then probably 10 years ago, with the commoditization of a lot of forms of malware and the randomization of attacks, we started to figure out, all right, how do we you know, protect uh, unprotected organizations from the, the fact they're going to be really damaged monetarily by these kinds of attacks and ransomware, what have you. Um, and I think maybe what we should have been thinking about at the beginning is that what are all those organizations really worried about and how do we deliver them the peace of mind they want? I think it would have given us a much more holistic view of how to provide security a lot earlier on in the life cycle of, of, of our market. Right? Yeah. It would have allowed us to be thinking more about what they were actually looking for, as opposed to how do we fight off the individual challenges that we saw, you know, year after year, decade after decade. Yeah, I, you know, sort of, sort of along those same lines. Um, you know, you, you and I recently were uh, working on something. We were talking with uh, Ryan Berg, and he used the analogy of uh, a, of a toaster, um, <laughs> and and 
I think in the past I've used microwave. Like I, I if I, I could go back to my writing back when I was doing about dot com, uh, you know, thirteen, fourteen years ago. Uh, I believe I used the the same concept of you know saying, look, you know, when it comes to security, like people like in you know at the consumer level for sure and even at the like small and medium business level they're not trying to understand it like i don't know how the microwave works and i don't care you know? <laughs> like i want right. to buy it i want to punch in some numbers and i want the food to come out hot that's it right and, and 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 it's very similar to ryan's uh, you know toaster analogy which is you know they just want a thing that just works. You you put the I bread in, you, you push the thing down, and it, and out pops toast. Like I don't want to know how it works. I don't want to know why it works. I you know I don't need you to give me the the, the specifications of you know what kind of you know processes are, is in there to make the toast. Uh, you know it's like I just want toast. And right. and you're gonna yeah. be really happy when you get toast. You're gonna be really happy when you get nice toast. You know right. Ryan is master of some of these metaphors, right? He and I always talk about the muffin shop. You know we built three companies together, and and he was. He always says, you know, it would be so great just to build a muffin shop as opposed to building security technologies because people walk in a muffin shop and they smell the muffins and they look at the muffins and they buy a muffin. And when they're walking out of that store, they are so happy they have a muffin, right? And in security, you know, people come in and they're like, wow, security. You know, and you, you manage to get them to understand why they should be caring about protecting themselves and how you can help. And, you know, grudgingly, if you, you actually have done the work and you do a good job of building the protection that they need and you can explain it, then they'll they'll take it and they'll be less displeased with their lives than they were when they walked. <laughs> There's nobody walking yeah. out of Jack and Ryan's security shop going, "I am so happy." But I think when you focus on that peace of mind, right? When and I was actually just talking to one of the Alert Logic customers, uh, yeah, uh, two days ago down in Atlanta, and they were so happy, right? Because what they liked was and there's a lot of great technology here. There's a lot of things that are underpinning. And I asked him, "What's the best part?" Because I'm just learning, and he said. Um, they, they love being able to call an analyst. It was a muffin for the guy. He was like, you know, sometimes I have questions. Sometimes I don't really understand you know, what I'm seeing. And I can call, I can talk to an analyst. And for him, and I give it a logical lot of credit, that analyst was the muffin for him, right? That, that he was really happy when he got off the phone with that person because he had an answer he didn't have before. It was part of what he thought he was getting, and he was satisfied. So he got a little bit of a muffin experience. So I think maybe there's some muffins out there in security. Uh, maybe there's some toasters. You know, maybe there's some microwaves, that, you know, and we can do a good job of explaining what they do, what they're going to get, uh, as opposed to trying to spend all of our time explaining how it does it, because it is some pretty Byzantine stuff. All right. Um, all right. Well, let's. I want to kind of kind of start to wind down, but let me just ask. Um, uh, actually, I'll, I'll I'll ask this, which is, uh, what for the listening audience? Like, what are some resources? You would recommend uh, people go look at to to learn more about you know security in general, whether it's a book, a website, a podcast. Like you know, what 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 kind of things are you, are you do you read or listen to? Sure, I mean, I think that social media, for all of its downsides, has been wonderful at you know creating groups of people that you can follow. Um, you know, off the top of my head, uh, if if you're not following Diana Kelly, who's now at Microsoft, but who has a long history. Um, as both an analyst and as someone who speaks and writes and educates a ton about this, you should follow Diana. You know that there are there are folks like her. Uh, Chris Roberts has a really interesting take on security. Um, so I think in general for real time security, which is interesting in the way the market changes, um, those folks are great. I recommend you read great blogs like you'll see on the the um, Alert Logic blog. 
Uh, you can read about new attack types and breakdowns. You can get some of that information in multiple places, which I think is great. Uh, in general, if you're trying to figure out security, if you're a new entrant, if you if you come to the inner circle to understand, I'm thinking about getting into security. What can I read? There's some there's some great older materials that I still reference to people. Right, go look at Cliff Stoll's the the cuckoo's egg. You know, go read about what the the genesis of a lot of this industry started with, so you can understand threat surface in, in a different way. You know, a lot of people think about threat surface as exploits, right? They understand how Metasploit works, and they think about exploiting binaries. So they think about threat surface as we talked about earlier, sort of a malware thing and ransomware and users making mistakes. But really, the the idea of just conceptualizing and internalizing um, the the weakness, the vulnerability of our users and our and the organizations with whom we work and ourselves and our families, it really helps you put a better lens around security so that you can be more specific in what you look at. Because frankly, you know, security, if you want to be in a security role, you can be anything from a cryptographer to a network analyst to a person who's writing great software uh, to a person who's analyzing the results of pen tests to someone who helps people write better passwords or follow policies or adheres to compliance. It runs the gamut. So depending on what you want to do in security, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to get home, a bunch of different things to read. Uh, but in general, to understand what security means, I really recommend that people start with a much higher level view, right? Don't just start figuring out how to break into systems. Don't just start figuring out how to write policy or adhere to compliance rules. Start at the beginning. What's the problem? And the problem is, and the solution is that people want to protect themselves. People want to make sure that the private stuff stays private, that their users are well protected, that their systems can continue to function, and that when you get to the end of the day, all the transactions equal out, and nobody's stolen anything and nobody's forgotten anything. Uh, and so I would just really start thinking, thinking about security as um, more of a normal kind of function in life, where you have to take responsibility and learn about those areas that you find most interesting to make sure that that stays safe and sound. Very good. And what uh, if people just want to, you know, reach out to you or follow you like you know where where are you at uh, in terms of you know Twitter LinkedIn you know email what's the best way for people to find you sure well with Tony with your help I'm going to be more prevalent but you can find <laughs> me at uh, on Twitter at Jack Danny J-A-C-K-D-A-N-A-H-Y and pretty much in the same place on LinkedIn excellent well uh, it was a great conversation I want to thank you for taking the time to join me and uh, I will uh, you know reach out and maybe have you have you back on again soon Tony, thanks a million. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.